We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. The Gospel According to Mark, or at least by Jorge Luis Borges' version, coming up today for discussion. The Gospel According to Mark, according to Borges, according to somebody else that wrote it 2,000 years ago, translated into video. <laughs> I was talking with my friend Jack about that, because if you think about it, even if you do take it that way, like of Borges interpreting, you know, like a specific story of the Bible, like, isn't there, oh, they always say there's something lost in translation, or like, oh, you don't understand that because it was translated, but like, don't you hear that too, even like when we think about the actual physical gospel itself, it ain't written in English, right? Like we are reading a translation at that, uh, that that's already starting the the game almost of like, where is the source? Like what, what are we really talking about? And every time that you, you play that telephone game, you know, like yep. every time information is passed down, it's not that it's wrong. It's not that it, it can be translated well, but sometimes you have those moments of just like, well, which version is it? And some people are going to go on a different path, right? Yeah, and I think that's what's so important about like thinking about really analyzing a story like this. You have to kind of take some maybe things with a grain of salt, so to speak, because they're, they're, the, the translation of what they spoke, then it was translated, uh, what, from Hebrew or Aramaic to uh, Greek. Greek. And then Mark, Mark to, was Greek. Yeah. Yeah. Greek to English, uh, you know, and so something like this, obviously, uh, Borges or yourself or me or you, faith might be something where you're going to believe that it was translated correctly. Uh, and I think that's important to note that I think as we get through this, Borges had to pick this book specifically for what I found maybe to be the purpose of this story of him maybe questioning his own faith at a time where he wasn't sure which book of the Gospels, you know, was it supposed to be Mark? Was it supposed to be John? Is it supposed to be Luke? Uh, I think he he honed in on that it had to be Mark. And I think that we can kind of dig deeper into that as we go through our discussion today. And I get your point about the translations, but of course there are direct, like, you know, Greek to English translations, but we'll, we'll get into that today. Setting Los Alamos Ranch. Let's start out there, right? Our <laughs> yes, main okay. character is 33. <laughs> And his father instructed him in the doctrines of Herbert Spencer, a.k.a. the guy that believed in survival of the fittest. Yet his mother tells him, okay, so there's there's his father kind of on like the, the science materialism side, I want to say. Agreed. Extrapolation. And then here's his mother who's like, okay, when you're gone, honey, you, you got to be saying the Lord's Prayer. You got to cross your heart every day, and I'm going to do that the, the Western way. Um, but it's, it's the <laughs> religious side almost kind of like, juxtaposed against the the materialism side is how I, I oh it's totally science versus faith yes the mom and dad are science versus faith 100 percent. well and then and then espinoza right the name means of the thorns if you if you translate that um he's 33 aka 
who was 33 when they were crucified? <laughs> hmm, I think JC was, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Little hint, hint there of what's going to happen. Well, it, it, it kind of makes you feel this push-pull throughout this whole story, which is why I, I, Borges is always so interesting to discuss, whether we ever get to the source of truth or whether we just kind of have interesting talking points. That's kind of up for you guys to decide today. But uh, we, we kind of have the MacGuffin of Daniel, who's just like, hey, come out to my ranch. You know, I need your help. And and hey, Espinoza, he doesn't say no. He's got to go, right? So he goes out there, and that's where we meet the Gutres, which are kind of like the, the thrust of this story. Where we've got the father, the son. And the oh, holy wait, girl. Not, not, the holy girl, right? <laughs> like, it's it's a girl instead of the Holy Spirit. Like, that. Yeah, but you I knew you were going like, to say something about that. <laughs> well, you got you to, gotta like, take those into consideration, right? Like, there's clearly a Trinity discussion happening here because um, we've read Three Hermits by Leo Tolstoy, right? And in that yes, story, he meets these hermits that they, they haven't been taught theosis. They haven't been taught the Christian Orthodox way. But they have their morality. They had their view of, like, what does it mean to live a Jesus-like life? I think we come upon the Gutres, they they don't know what that is. Like, they they just live, right? Like, they're foremen on this ranch. Daniel's got to go take care of business. And holy crap, we've got a, a monumental flood that's happening that, that causes them all to, to stir in the same pot, if you will. Mm. Like, that's the plot at a high level. <laughs> hmm, where have I heard a monumental flood before? God, I'm tracking my, racking my brain here. Tell me, Una, where I've heard that story. <laughs> it's it's going to come up with the number 40. And yes. 40, of course, most people will point out, in biblical terms, doesn't necessarily mean it was 40. It's it's sometimes an undefined period of time. But which, which, to your point, though, actually, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but time's weird in the story. You know what I mean? Like, Daniel's like, hey, I just got to go take some business in town. But like, dude, how long was that guy gone for? Like, it, it feels like there's like a lot of stuff that happened that he's the guy that's going to come back, find his foreman, killed his cousin. It's just like, bro. <laughs> what the heck just happened? Do you feel like, though, that maybe that this was taking place in, quote, like a three-day period that, that Daniel left? And again, I love the name Daniel thrown in there. You know, he's the one that abandons everything. Um, that this is happening three days. I mean, three days is very biblical time period. The resurrection, three days. Daniel returns after three days, maybe. Um, I don't know. Time is funky in this story, that's for sure. It's even with 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 Borges in general, knowledge is funky, right? Because there's that that search for the unknown. And you even have references to how cowboys, right? Like the gauchos, depending on your translation. Gauchos. Yeah, they don't they don't they don't know their father's name, right? Like 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 what do you mean Jesus was was just immaculately concepted? <laughs> like there's something also to be said about how there's like all those unknown periods of Jesus of like what was he doing in his teenage years besides just growing in stature and in spirituality and stuff like that. Um, there's this unknown aspect to to the life of these Argentinian, you know, cowboys in a sense too. It's it's interesting all these parallels that are just kind of drawn between like the Bible and these characters. And the gauchos also too are roaming like the Israelites, like Jesus. Uh, you know, they're not tied down. They're moving around with the land. We talk about being tied to the land and how important that is biblically. Uh, that yes, there is a lot of parallels and references. I mean, obviously, you know, being that this is a, a biblical story, but Borges does a beautiful job of integrating that and making it feel fresh. That's one thing too that I was very surprised because when you sent me this one, I was like, oh, we're just going to be like doing a retelling of you know the Book of Mark, and like I studied those when I went to 
a Catholic school, like I don't need that again. But the the flavor that he adds to this story is just is, is so good. It's so enriching. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it, and I didn't think I would. So this is one that um, I wanted to thank you for uh, having us read as well. No problem, no problem. So Book of Mark, I think you know more than anyone else, is, of course, a lot of miracles. And this 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 flood's happening. And we come across the Bible. So we have to start interpreting it. We start with the, the book of Mark. And the, when we think about the book of Mark, you know, there's a lot of personal action, kind of like call to action, I guess, in a sense of when you read that. I uh, have to yes. remember that it was also the, this was the book where, you know, when you talk about the different gospels having uh, either different points of views or different angles, depending on, you know, your view of the Bible. This is one that was being, correct me if I'm wrong, being spoken to the Romans. So it was meant to be more persuasive. It was meant to show off the yes. pizzazz. Like, and it was meant to show how your actions matter, in a sense, too, in terms of the stories chosen. So here's the Gutres, like, who come along. They've never had, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to say they've never had morality. They've never had Christian morality, right? Like, when, when you take on Christianity, you're like, this is, this is God's morality. You have to take this on if you want to be saved, in a sense. And here they are learning about the book of Mark. And as soon as we get to the end, they're like, no, 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 do, do, do that one again. I, I need to know more about the book of Mark. How did you take them, uh, specifically the Gutres, wanting to just, just keep understanding the book of Mark as opposed to moving on to other books of the Bible? I think that's because the book of Mark is the one that is the sermon. It's the one that you are literally going to preach. It's the one that gives you that essential feeling of I can believe because of this it's the one that gives the warm fuzzy feeling to the believers that I know it's true and it it gives that through the proof of the miracles as you you said earlier and I think that that's what makes it so unique and different where the other ones I think are more factual, uh, you know, if you look at John and Luke and, and the others, uh, they, they, they are more precise, where this one is more grandiose in painting that picture of um, benevolence, that painting that picture of divinity. And that's something that is appealing to somebody that has never heard it before, because you're thinking, wait a minute, there's something that's grander, there's just not life and farming and hanging out, there's something better for me after this? That's going to appeal to somebody that has had a rough life that is going to be given the kingdom of heaven afterwards. Give me more of that, please. I don't want anything else. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. So in the same way it convinced the Romans is convincing the Gutres. We've kind of been uh, glossing over, I think, too much of our boy Espinoza here. There's a quote I want to read to you here. It says, with Daniel gone, he had taken the master's place and begun to give timid orders, which were immediately followed. The Gutres would trail him through the rooms, in along the hallway, as though they were lost. So, our boy, Espinoza. <laughs> I, I felt that there was a little bit of a translation here. He, I don't know if he wasn't a leader before, but but when we think about like the, these big words, in terms of Messiah, in terms of Redeemer, he's becoming, he's stepping into this role, they even say it in the quote, Master. He's becoming a leader in a sense. Do you think he goes, or maybe in his mind, like 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 he might think too much of associating himself with Jesus? Possibly, because if you look at the end of the story uh, where he is eventually sacrificed, I think yes. Now, do I think he wanted that to happen? Probably not. 
but there are too no, many no, parallels. No. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are too many parallels in the story where you see him being basically the the Jesus figure, um, figuratively and literally in this story. Um, I don't know if he wanted it. Uh, I don't know if he accepts it, but it is there. Uh, and who wouldn't want to have that, right? I mean, that's. I guess. Well, what's his downfall? That, that's the, Let's start there. Yeah. Let's start with his downfall. What? What? Yeah. What? What? What do you think? So, so the the girl coming into his room, she gets in his bed naked, and it says that he Lane with her in English. Um, I don't. I know Lane. When when we think about the English translation of some of the Bible passages about man chant Lane with another man, like stuff like that, like like that means to sleep with, right? I don't know if that's what it is in when Spanish, but but he sleeps with this girl. We believe in our translation. Is that sin? Did he think it wouldn't be sin if he did it? Did he fall into temptation? Like, what? What, what is that when, when you think you're the leader, almost? Yeah, so that's the unique part, right? Because it is believed that Christ was the embodiment of God, so he was free of sin. Uh, he didn't have original sin. He was, you know, he was the perfect lamb. And now you have Espinoza taking on sin, yet he's still going to be sacrificed the same as Jesus as well. So it's kind of a contradiction here. And I think that's why uh, that's why I think this story had to be the book of Mark and not any others, because it, it lends itself to that idea of, of miracles and forgiveness and that we all make mistakes and that you can move on um, and lead a good life even after you have sinned. So let's let's jump back to the Gutres now then. Right? And you brought up a good point about the lamb, lamb of God and such. Like there's even a lamb reference in the story, I believe. Um, the Gutres are like, look, hang on. So the people that murdered Jesus, they're saved? Like that's a thing? Like that works out that way? In, in terms of like that that translation of knowledge, the passing down of knowledge of, of Greek to Spanish, Spanish being read and then... Espinoza attempting to translate a question about what does this passage mean that the Gutres are asking. He says, yes, they're safe. Like, like almost like you commit sin, you can still end up in heaven is, is kind of what he's saying here. And do you think that they're misinterpreting it that, that, that if you sin, you have to be sacrificed in the same way that uh, they're, they're misinterpreting that Jesus had to be sacrificed to, to cure everyone's sins. Like, is that why you think that they kind of crucified him at the end? Yeah, I think that they realized that he had sinned, the girl had sinned, and in order for that to be forgiven, there had to be a sacrifice. And I think they don't realize that it was God that had to do the sacrificing in order for the people to be forgiven, not the people that had to sacrifice in in, in order to be forgiven, like it was in the old times. Because, right, I mean, many, many cultures around the world, you sacrificed you know, a virgin or you sacrifice, you know, food or you had to sacrifice something to one of the gods to make sure it rained or the sun came up or whatever. Um, so I think that, I think Borges, my thought was that he's saying that their interpretation of this was wrong. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the uh, bird that was at the end of the story there? Was it a dove? Goldfinch. Oh. Symbol, symbol of resurrection because you're supposed to view it as God looking down on you and stuff like that. It, it's referenced in the Bible. So uh, obviously a very, like like you have to be thinking about the story of the resurrection at this point in time. And, and our boy Espinoza, 
I don't know if he's going to be around when Daniel comes back. I think there's going to be a lot of questions Daniel has when he gets back from, from his dealings in town. Oh, yeah. A lot of questions for sure. Like, no, 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 no. I'm not bringing family around here ever again. What are you guys doing? I mean, but can you be mad at them? You know, they did something out of faith or ignorance. Like, is that wrong? I mean, that is a question I think that Borges is trying to ask. Uh I mean, why why write this interpretation of the story? Why pick Mark? Um, well, what did what did they? I think we 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 might get a hint from that in the story because if you remember, is it is it Espinoza or is it the narrator? Someone says there's two stories in life, and that's the story of of the sacrifice in Golgotha and the ship lost at sea. All right, we obviously know where the Golgotha <laughs> sacrifice is in this story. What's the ship lost at sea? Is the story of the Gutres, the misinterpretation, the not understanding, are they the ships that are lost? Are they the ones that are looking for answers and aren't able to find it? Hmm. And Espinosa wasn't able to give it to him. So was that his fault? Like, he sh- should he have been killed? Like, I mean, <sighs> That's, the misinterpretation could have been, you know, is an easy mistake. Yeah, it's, well, I, I mean, the, the first answer, of course, theoretically, a human should never murder another human. Um, okay, well, yeah. I, th- I thought that was a given. My bad. My maybe, bad. Maybe we put that one out. I'm, I'm not being the new viewer out there. It's like, wait, are these guys okay. contemplating murder? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's I pretty think, standard. Um, you should not kill people. I, I think there's a question that that one passage I keep going back to where he becomes the master and they start following him around. Like, I just wonder how much of that are we supposed to be thinking that uh, Espinoza steps too far, that he thinks he mm. can be the leader to be the next Jesus. Does, mm. Are we supposed to think so he, he has the hubris? Uh-huh. I think he steps above and tries to be the master and have servants. And I think uh, it's his hubris almost that takes him down from like an old Greek perspective. Oh, okay. I mean, in, yeah, Mark is the, the the Greek gospel, so that's a, a good a good, I think, twister, you know, viewpoint. I like that. Uh, incredible story. I mean, there's just it's so open to interpretation. Uh, it really is. You mentioned earlier you questioned whether Borges was questioning his own religion. Do you do you know what his worldview was? No, I, I've never researched that much about him. I usually, you know, only research uh, when we're doing the big novels to make sure I know more about the authors. Uh, I think I've even mislabeled uh, him from where he's from, right? He's Argentinian. <laughs> well, sometimes our guesses at authors are really telling us more about ourselves. True. So, so maybe maybe you don't need to tell me what your view is here, but... Whatever your view was, was was Borges reinforcing it? Was he making fun of? Was he searching? Borges was uh, claimed agnostic. He said that it's possible God could exist. And even on his deathbed as he was dying, he kind of said, like, are we sure that this is the truth? He did the same thing that mom did when he was on his deathbed. Like He's like, like mom was, now mom was an atheist, but he said, you know, on his deathbed, did I make the right choice? Like, I'm getting ready to die. Like, do I need to convert at the last second? And Borges was talking to his wife, and he's just like, uh, you know, do we need someone more authoritative to tell me the answer on this one? <laughs> like, she's like, are you asking for oh. a priest? <laughs> wow. I mean, I yeah. guess at the end there, everybody starts questioning. I mean, we always question our mortality, you know, as middle-aged men. We definitely do. But, uh, yeah, when you're in those last few seconds, um, you're thinking, am I going to meet my creator or am I going to meet the uh, the 
the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, makes well, you wonder what Espinoza uh, was going through as he's looking at that goldfinch like, oh, I done messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I feel that that does come through. Um, that makes a lot of sense about Borges. Uh, you can definitely kind of feel that in the writing that he was obviously, uh, I'm not sure exactly when, how close to late in his life he wrote this, but it must have been something that he struggled with his own personal faith through at some point in his life, right? Um. Yeah, I mean, there was still a little bit more time, but it was later in his life, of course. But playlist down below of other Borges talks if you enjoyed it. If you want more of the Gospel of Mark, I'm going to leave a link to our boy Noah's channel, who has also discussed this one. Hope you guys are out there having a great time. We love Borges. What other stories by him do you think we should cover next? Let us know in the comments down below. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Peace out. This has been Crypto. Peace.